Welcome to Invested in Wellness, a Fidelity Investments Canada podcast. I'm Jessie Serafian. Join us for a special episode with Leslie Beck, one of Canada's leading nutritionists for an engaging discussion on how your diet can support mental wellness. Leslie will discuss key nutrients and foods for healthy brain function, which diets can help prevent and possibly treat depression, and provide eight tips to follow a Mediterranean diet at home. Leslie Beck is a registered dietitian, clinical director of food and nutrition at MedCan, and a weekly columnist for The Globe and Mail. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. By performing any of the exercises provided, you are doing so at your own risk. Fidelity will not be responsible or liable for any injury or harm you sustain as a result of the use of any information or content in this podcast. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Great. So welcome to our show. So for our viewers who are meeting you for the first time, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started a career as a dietitian? Sure. Well, I, I started a career as a dietitian when, you know, nutrition and food wasn't constantly in the news like it is today. Um, I had always loved biology in high school and, um, you know, I took biology as, as part of an elective. At, I'm from Vancouver. I went to UBC. Um, and then I just happened to stumble across this dietetics program, you know, after a couple of years being at UBC. And then I thought this just sounds perfect for me. And I actually did it. I became a dietitian, did my internship at St. Mike's in Toronto as a means of becoming a doctor. Anyway, make a long story short, my career evolved and I just love what I do. I have so much variety in my job. I'm really, really fortunate. So here I am. That's wonderful. And I'm sure so rewarding. So Leslie, many people think about changing their diet to lose weight, lower their cholesterol, lower their blood cholesterol, and improve their gut health. But we don't often draw the link between diet and mental health, or do we? No, you're absolutely right. I think that's true. Um, but you know, thanks to a field called nutritional psychiatry, which is about 15 years old, we're now looking at mental health differently. We, we are absolutely learning that our diet affects our brain and our mental health as well. So you might be wondering what nutritional psychiatry is. I mean, many people haven't heard of that field. It really focuses on building a comprehensive scientific evidence base about how our overall diet, the foods we eat, the foods we don't eat, what we're eating too much of perhaps, how that influences the risk of, of developing a mental health disorder. But it also looks at how changing our diet may help to treat anxiety, depression, or other mental health disorders. So a nu nutritional psychiatrist, you know, really puts nutrition front and center of the treatment regime. You know, they'll ask a patient, so can you tell me about your diet? What did you have for, what do you normally have for breakfast? Those kinds of questions, the same questions I ask my clients, in fact. Yeah. And what does research say about diet and mental wellness? Well, studies have found a consistent and positive relationship between an unhealthy dietary pattern. So that's one, a diet that's high in saturated fat, added sugars, refined grains, um, you know, highly processed foods. So a link between eating like that to poor mental health in adults, in kids and teenagers as well. And on the flip side, there's been extensive research to, that's linked to healthy dietary pattern, you know, one that's high in fruits and vegetables, nuts, whole grains, fish, beans and lentils, for example. 
to a lower risk of developing depression, um, again, in adults, kids, and teenagers. And it's also been associated with lower rates of anxiety. But I think, you know, what, what has been really exciting in this field is that so far there have been three randomized controlled trials, which is the gold standard for scientific evidence. Two of them were published in 2017 and one just last year that have shown that adopting a Mediterranean style diet can actually help to significantly reduce symptoms of depression. That's interesting. So what's in a Mediterranean diet that can help our mental health? So, you know, as many people might know, a Mediterranean diet really focuses on whole foods, fruits and vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, uh, you know, olive oil as well. You know, and these foods contain anti-inflammatory nutrients, anti-inflammatory phytochemicals, which help to reduce inflammation in the body. And many studies have associated depression with chronic low-grade inflammation. And it's thought that these inflammatory immune compounds can actually communicate with the brain and affect mood, behavior, or energy levels as well. So that's one way that, you know, a Mediterranean diet can help uh, improve mental health is by reducing inflammation. But there's Certainly are other roles that nutrients play to keep our brain cells healthy. Um, some of them act as antioxidants to protect brain cells from free radical damage. Um, some are used to make serotonin in the body, that sort of feel-good brain chemical that helps to regulate mood. And those are just two ways. There are many other ways that our overall diet helps promote mental wellness. And then thinking, obviously, focusing on our brain, are there specific nutrients that we should be taking? For sure. There, there are a number of them. So one, one I'll talk about right off the bat is vitamin E. Um, that is a nutrient that many Canadians do not get enough of. We don't meet our daily recommended intake, which is 15 milligrams. So vitamin E is an antioxidant, and it's especially protective. It protects our fatty cell brain cell membranes from free radical damage. So again, I said we all need, adults need 15 milligrams a day. Quarter cup of sunflower seeds gives you 12 milligrams, almost the whole amount. A quarter cup of almonds gives you nine milligrams. And if you use sunflower oil, a tablespoon will give you six milligrams. Um, so that's definitely one. Think about vitamin E rich foods, other oils, I should say, grape seed, uh, safflower oil are good as well. The other thing, you know, we don't have time to discuss them all, but omega-3 fats. DHA and EPA. Those are the two omega-3 fatty acids in oily fish like salmon, trout, sardines, mackerel, for example. And omega-3s have been studied to not only prevent but also treat depression and other mood disorders. Um, omega-3s have anti-inflammatory effects. They help to maintain um, healthy cell membranes. They actually form about 60% of the fat in our brain cell membranes. And in, in that way, they help our brain cells communicate uh, well between each other. So those are just two examples. Vitamin C is another. A B vitamin called folate is important for making serotonin, magnesium, zinc. Um, there are many. And in speaking of these nutrients, do you suggest some, um, because people can take them in a capsule form, in a liquid, as well as obviously in our food, what, what would you suggest is like the best intake for these? Well, I, I always recommend foods first. That's my, you know, that's my approach. And it, and then, you know, you can turn to supplements to bridge any nutrient gaps in your diet. For something like fish oil, supplements have been studied in terms of treating depression. So you can certainly look to those recommendations around there. But, you know, try to get these things through whole foods because these foods contain many other anti-inflammatory compounds, nutrients that may they work together synergistically. Right. And where do probiotics fit in? 
So that's a good question um, because there has been some research uh, to suggest that probiotics may help to reduce the risk of anxiety as well as help to reduce symptoms of anxiety. But we have to remember with respect to probiotics, very specific strains have been studied. So this doesn't mean you can just go out to the drugstore, the supplement store and pick up any probiotic supplement. But how they work is once you consume probiotics, they make their way to your large intestine where they take up residence. And when they're there, they help to really maintain a strong intestinal barrier. And when the lining of our gut becomes more permeable than normal, toxins can escape into the bloodstream and that can trigger an inflammatory response that could interfere with brain chemicals or neurotransmitters and how they work. Um, and the other thing I'll point out is our gut microbes. Um, they produce 70% of the serotonin in our body. Um, and as I mentioned, that's a neurotransmitter that helps to regulate stress and emotions. So I think one way to get probiotics naturally in your diet is to include fermented foods in your yeah. daily diet. There's more research looking at this. Let think foods like kefir, uh, kombucha, kimchi, unpasteurized mm -hmm. sauerkraut, even yogurt. Those are examples of fermented foods. You know, I should say here, I want to emphasize that probiotics, probiotic supplements, or any dietary change for that matter, it's not a replacement for medication. So just, I mean, that's important for our listeners to know. Yeah, great. Thank you, Leslie. So let's talk about practical tips to eat a Mediterranean-style diet. Where should one start? So I think a really good place to start is making sure that each of your meals, including breakfast, includes vegetables. Um, so things like, you know, adding baby greens, whether it's baby spinach or kale, or even pumpkin puree, which is high in an antioxidant called beta carotene, to a smoothie or to a protein shake. Throwing baby spinach, red pepper, or sliced mushrooms into, you know, if you're scrambling eggs or making an omelet, you can add shredded carrots, shredded zucchini to muffin batters, pancake batters. And, you know, and there certainly is no rule that you can't have a little green salad with your bowl of oatmeal in the morning either. So that's, but I would really focus on vegetables at each meal. Great. I know I have a son, he's four years old, and I always try to sneak in the vegetables in a smoothie, adding in the carrots, adding in the kale, adding in the spinach. So uh, that's great. That's a great point. Um, and what about red meat? How much is okay? Well, I think if you do eat red meat, and that includes beef, pork, lamb, um, really to treat it as a condiment rather than the main focus of the meal. And I generally recommend no more than three red meat meals per week. So, you know, it, it's about downsizing portions when you eat it as well. So for example, instead of having an eight or a 10 ounce steak, you know, have three ounces of red meat grilled as a kebab with vegetables, or you might throw a little bit of meat into a big stir fry with lots of vegetables. Um, and I, I think to help you downsize your the frequency of eating meat, I mean, again, we talked about those omega-3s. So include oily fish in your diet twice a week, uh, eat chicken or turkey, a couple of times a week. And again, the other thing that's important to do is to be introducing more plant-based meals into your diet as well. That'll help you get that red meat down. So can you give us some tips to add more plant-based proteins in our diet? It's not really a natural go-to for, for many people. No, it isn't. But more and more people are learning about the benefits of eating plant-based meals. And, and in, in my practice here at MedCan, uh, more people are asking about it. And how do I do it besides opening up, a, making a pot of chili kind of thing? So um, I, as a goal, I, I generally recommend people try planning for four meatless meals a week, and then you can build on that. 
So, you know, it's just some examples. If you're making sort of a pasta sauce, a marinara sauce, instead of putting ground meat, even ground turkey into your sauce, put white kidney beans. Um, this is a great time of year with this, the summer, the warmer temperatures, maybe on the weekend to make a batch of either a chickpea or a black bean or a lentil salad to have for quick lunches. Um, you can put it on a bed of greens, uh, that type of thing. Um, if you if you're into tacos or burritos, that kind of thing, instead of using meat, ground meat, you can use black beans, pinto beans. So those are those are some ways. And of course, when the weather gets cooler, well, some people do it now. You can make you know, lentil soups, black bean soups, or make, you know, a, a plant-based chili or enjoying, you know, a, a, a chickpea masala kind of thing. So there's lots of ways to do it. And again, you'll see here, I'm really talking about whole foods. I haven't mentioned all those plant-based burgers out there. I mean, that that certainly people can do too, but not as a regular part of your diet. That is, they are processed foods. And in terms of fats, what are the healthiest fats to be eating and cooking with? Well, the Mediterranean diet, the principal fat is extra virgin olive oil. It's a monounsaturated fat. It's thought to have anti-inflammatory anti properties. It has certain phytochemicals as well. But there are other good sources of monounsaturated fat as well. Avocado oil is one of them. Peanut oil is another one. And then, of course, avocado peanut butter, almonds, almond butter, those are all good, healthy fats. There are others, but this is just the principal fat of the Mediterranean diet. And one point I wanna make here is that um, many people think uh, that you can't cook with extra virgin olive oil. In mm. fact, you can. Extra virgin olive oil has a smoke point, and that's the temperature at which an oil starts to break down and burn. Its smoke point is 410 degrees Fahrenheit. Most stovetop cooking, with the exception of high heat stir frying, is done between, say, 350, 375 degrees. So you certainly can saute vegetables in extra virgin olive oil. You can bake with it as long as you're not going above 400, you know, 400 degrees. So you can use it in your diet besides as, as a salad dressing. Oh, that's really good. That's that's good to know. Um, I want to go back to the nuts because I know nuts have really high, they're high in fat. So how, in terms of portion, you know, a handful of almonds or what, in terms of nuts, what's the proper portion for that? Well, you're right. Because of their high content of healthy fats, they, they do deliver more calories to your diet. So you have to be careful. You, you manage around the rest of your diet. But generally what um, healthy diet. The recommendations are from a health standpoint, whether we're talking about, you know, the mind diet for brain health, which is being studied to keep us sharp cognitively as we age, or the Mediterranean diet pattern, the DASH diet to help lower um, blood pressure. And um, the recommendation really is one third of a cup of nuts per day. So you might include that is think about what you're what you snack on right now during the day and, you know, and include nuts as one of your snacks. We may not actually absorb all the calories that are in nuts because of their structure. So mm, that's a good point. Um, and then herbs and spices are a big part of the Mediterranean diet. What nutrition benefits do they have? So, yeah, it, they really are. And they do a lot more than just adding flavor to your meals. So 
herbs and spices, whether fresh or dried, um, contain compounds called polyphenols. These are phytochemicals with really potent antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds. So I really encourage people to, you know, use these in their meal. With the summer, it's easy to get nice fresh herbs now. I routinely, you know, add chopped fresh parsley, chopped fresh mint, mint leaves to my green salads. Um, ginger is great in stir fries. So is Thai basil. Um, and you might even try things like, you know, if, when, if you make drip coffee in the morning, put a little pinch of cinnamon in your coffee grounds. It really tastes great. Or you could even put ground, stir some ground cinnamon into some almond butter to throw into a smoothie or a protein shake. Those are just a few ways. There are lots of ways, but yeah, really important um, anti-inflammatory foods to include in your meals. That's great. I love cinnamon. So um, we'll go back to the, the supplements. So there's a lot of vitamin D on the market. So what should one look out for? Liquid, capsule, combined with other vitamins? Well, I think, well, yeah. And here in Canada, you know, Osteoporosis Canada recommends that we take vitamin D year round to maintain a sufficient blood level of vitamin D that's associated with bone health. So um, I generally recommend it depends on on the person. Uh, it depends where your current vitamin D level is. But I generally generally recommend 1,000 to 2,000 international units of vitamin D3 per day. Most of the vitamin D3, D you'll see out there is D3. Um, and then it is just to keep in mind, it is fat soluble. So it's important that you take it with a meal that has a little bit of fat in it. Uh, you can also buy, there are some vitamin D capsules that, that have a little bit of coconut oil in them. But I think the most important thing is buy vitamin D3, take it with a meal that has a little bit of fat in it. What are some good sources of probiotics? Well, like I said, I mean, in terms of the naturally, you're going to find probiotics in fermented foods like kefir, kombucha, kimchi, unpasteurized sauerkraut, even yogurt is a fermented food. So that's where you're going to find probiotics naturally. And then, of course, there are lots of supplements out there as well. Um, but I really do encourage, you know, I, I'm not so sure unless you are taking a probiotic supplement that has been studied, specific strains that have been studied for a very specific health benefit, I recommend that you include fermented foods in your diet and include what we call prebiotic foods. So these are these are carbohydrate containing foods or fiber containing foods, really, that help to nourish and fuel the growth of the good gut microbes living in our large intestine. Um, so things like oats, things like Jerusalem artichokes, um, you know, bananas. Uh, garlic, onion, those are asparagus. Those are some examples of prebiotic foods. I'm not so sure about just taking a everyday probiotic supplement for the, um, you know, thinking that it may be beneficial. You're actually putting in a very high concentration of specific microbes into your gut. And it's possible that could out, you know, crowd out some of the other good ones that, that are already there. So I just don't think we know enough. That's an interesting point. Another question relating to the herbs, are dried herbs as effective? Because fresh ones, they go slime so fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, dried, dried are absolutely fine. You know, dried oregano, dried basil, all of those things are great. Cayenne pepper. But the only thing is to, you know, make sure dried herbs, if they're stored properly, sort of in a dark place away from the heat, 
generally last three to four years, but you, you look at expiry dates on the bottles. You know, I just did, um, I, in my kitchen, I was just went through my kitchen at the cottage. I looked and holy smokes, I had to throw a lot of them out because I don't use them that often and they had expired. But if you, if you don't see an expiry date, just open the lid, give them a whiff. If they don't have that fragrant, you know, smell they should have, then they're probably past their prime. Got it. Um, a question about cinnamon. How much cinnamon is too much cinnamon? <laughs> well, I, I don't know that we know that. I don't know that that's been studied, but, uh, you know, it, it depends what you would use in, in certain foods in a day. I, and it, because it really, it does flavor things quite strongly if you yeah. use too much. But right. yeah, I don't think that there is sort of an upper daily limit that we know of. Got it. So I know with starting a new diet can be so overwhelming for some. So when you're working with clients, do you start off with like a meal plan, ask them what they eat, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then, and then work their way up to a more Mediterranean based diet or incorporating those foods in? Yeah. So, so how I work with clients is absolutely the first thing I find out about their goals and objectives, what, what they want to accomplish at the end of the day, so to speak. And then, yes, I absolutely do and ask them questions about their, you know, their health, their family's health history, their exercise, their lifestyle habits. And then I really dive into their usual day. I want to understand about, you know, their schedule, when they eat, what they eat, how much they're eating, what foods do they like, what they what do they not like? And then from that, if this is what they want, and many people do, I take all that away and I put together a list of my very specific recommendations. Okay. Here are the, the tweaks, the modifications I'm recommending and why. And then I build out a plan for someone too that gives them, you know, the right size portions for their goals, the right combinations of foods at meals and a number of different, you know, I might say here are six or seven different breakfast ideas, you know, that based on what you like, what, what some of the objectives we're trying to do. So I give them lots of choice and I really try to, you know, obviously it has to be something that people would eat are used to eating it fits in with their family meals so so that it is something very sustainable and your and to your other point yes over time we you know we don't do everything at once we'll gradually and incrementally build up to certain things and have set different goals as as we work together right and where does exercise play into that program so well i'm always recommend you know exercise physical activity for everybody um you know just in in terms of cardiovascular fitness men, brain health as well so many benefits of exercise and 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 even when it comes to weight loss it, it's really it's it's not about getting to the gym. The g working out is important for body composition, you know, maintaining muscle, building muscle, you know, leaning down, that kind of thing. But really, you've got to consider your diet when it comes and calorie consumption when it comes to weight loss. But absolutely, I encourage, you know, uh, resistance training, you know, at least a couple of times a week and then cardiovascular exercise like brisk walking or if someone, you know, goes to a gym and uses an elliptical trainer, you know, at least half an hour, at least four times a week. Um, thinking about sleep, what are uh, what are some factors to help with sleep if people are having problems? Obviously, diet can affect mood, diet can affect our sleep as well. What do you recommend there? Yeah, I, I think with respect to helping with sleep hygiene and helping people perhaps get to sleep easier or better if that's the really think about you know first of all when is your last meal don't eat too close to bedtime 
Um, so I always try to recommend let three hours pass before you lie down and go to sleep after eating your last meal. Make sure that that last meal isn't a fatty meal that takes longer to digest and empty from the stomach and it can disrupt sleep. Um, and of course, there are all those other things for people who have, um, you know, if they have acid reflux to avoid so that you're not having heartburn, those types of symptoms in the, in the middle of the night. And there are other things too that, you know, there is some research around foods that can help promote sleep. For example, tart cherry juice has been studied and, and having a couple of tablespoons twice a day diluted in water has been shown to help people uh, fall asleep and have a better quality of sleep as well. Um, yogurt, kiwi fruit, those are some other examples of, of fruit that have been that may help promote sleep. Interesting. I've never heard about cherry. I'm going to add that. <laughs> and of course, screen time. I mean, that's not in my wheelhouse, so to speak, but, you know, keeping getting away from screens an hour or so before you go to bed. Yes, I'm a firm believer for that. So last question for you before we end. What is one key takeaway for our viewers um, to adopt after this? Uh, well, I, I think maybe it's more of a mindset. Um, and I think, you know, when, what, what, we, what we're, we don't study anymore specific nutrients or specific foods and how that relates to health. I mean, I just talked about sleep. That's a bit different, but, and, and tart cherry juice, but we're really, what, what matters the most is your overall diet pattern. You know, the foods you eat on a regular basis, the combinations, the portion size of them, that's what matters. So, you know, I, I, so think about that. And, and, and I think too, um, with, you know, the Mediterranean diet is an overall anti-inflammatory diet pattern. And, and it, there are others though. There are others as well. Um, so just think about your overall pattern and, and just, and build on it gradually because everything foods work together to promote health. So, you know, you can't add blueberries to an overall unhealthy diet and expect to stay healthy kind of thing. But think about everything. And the other thing is, just because you're, you might not have one area down pat, it doesn't mean you're not getting benefits from the other areas that you are doing well in. For sure. That's a really good point. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Thank you for practicing with us today. Be sure to subscribe to Fidelity's Invested in Wellness podcast on your podcast platform of choice. If you'd like to follow for more, tune in to the Invested in Wellness webcast on Mondays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register now on fidelity.ca.